0: the handiwork of uh, Pastor Tim. We have a name the soldier contest. Uh, I'll let you uh, come up with some good ones uh, and we'll judge and I'm sure we'll have an incredible prize, don't you think? But uh, name, name the Roman soldier and uh, we'll be looking at all the different pieces of warfare. Uh, the name of the series is The Invisible War. It's, it's the most real, it's the most uh, intense, it's the most uh, dangerous war that's ever been fought, and yet I'm telling you, even in the church, lots of us, we don't think about it, we don't concentrate on it, and we wonder, why, why am I getting creamed? <laughs> why, why is everything around me getting wiped out, and why does it feel like, Uh, I'm getting attacked and destroyed. And the answer is because whether we like it or not, we're at war. Whether uh, you realize it or not, you're at war. Jesus followers, we have a declared enemy, and we're going to look how the Lord Jesus Christ has equipped us how to do battle with our declared enemy. And you'll see today we have the ability, the strength, the power to stand firm against Satan and his demonic army as we stand with Jesus Christ and put on his armor. Here's the truth. Satan hates you and he's looking to destroy you and ruin your reputation. I don't know if you know that or not, but he would love to make you and Jesus in you look foolish. More than that, he goes more than just the individual, he's after families. He would love to tear your family apart. He'd love to uh, rip apart your marriage. He, He would love to chew on your children and your grandchildren. Um, and finally, I would say that Satan is actively looking to divide the church. He'd love to get us mad at each other, attacking each other, and fighting with each other in the body of Christ. And let me just tell you, he's he's a pretty accomplished enemy. And if you look around our world today, uh, he's doing a pretty good job. The enemy is. And I would argue most of us, we're not aware that we're even in a war. We're not even aware that we're in a battle, and that's part of the problem. Now, I want you to understand, my goal is to get us thinking about it, being aware, and learning how to put the armor on. And yet, I want to avoid the other extreme, and that's that we don't start seeing a demon under every bush. Every time we open the sock drawer, we're not commanding Satan out of our socks, that's, that's not where we want to go, and yet we don't want to be like most of us are now, and we just don't think about it. Here's how C.S. Lewis put it. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So we're going to try to find that biblical middle ground. We're going to focus our attention this summer on Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, uh, you can just put uh, one of your little ribbons right there in Ephesians 6. We're going to be there most of the of the summer. Um, and my prayer is that when we're finished this summer, if you're regular, if you're here, if you miss, that you get online and listen or, or have Gene make you up a CD. But my goal, my prayer, is at the end of this summer, you'll understand your position in Jesus Christ. That's huge. Secondly, you'll know how to put on the full armor of God. Know your position, know how to put your armor on, and then you'll be able to daily stand firm, stand firm against the devil's schemes. Um, we're going to spend a Sunday on each of the six pieces of the armor and then we'll spend another Sunday talking about the role of prayer uh, in this invisible war that we're in. Um, I do appreciate Pastor Tim taking the time. He's kind of collected from friends and he's uh, built our little uh, uh, realistic visual of a Roman soldier and his armor Um, and uh, as we move through the different pieces of armor, you'll be able to understand this is pretty close to exactly what a Roman soldier would look like. Uh, um, I would say, first of all, thank you, Pastor Tim. So let's say thanks, Pastor Tim. That that didn't come easily. Uh, Secondly, I would say um, much of this is borrowed, and it's very expensive, So I would ask that you look, but please don't. Any guesses? Touch. Yes. Thank you. That would be wonderful. Here's the key thought, okay? If you get this one down, if you understand this one, this is, I'm going to be saying this every Sunday, okay? So write it down. You might as well get it right from the beginning. Here's the key thought of our series. You and I are not fighting for victory. We, as followers of Jesus, are not fighting for victory. You and I are fighting from victory. Huge difference. We're not earning. We're not trying to merit. We're not trying to get God so he's happy enough. Now have I done enough good stuff, Jesus, so now you'll protect me? Please understand, the victory is already ours. The victory is ours for the taking. Big difference. The battle in this war has already been won. Our commander-in-chief, and his name is Jesus Christ, he's already won the battle. So we are fighting from victory, and that's huge. The ultimate winner of the war has already been decided. Victory has been declared. Jesus Christ is the champion of the universe. So you need to know that, and then everything flows from that. So the challenge for us is to live in the light of that fact. We are victors because we belong to the victor, and his name is Jesus. Through his death, his burial, his resurrection from the dead, Jesus is our champion. That's huge. And I'm just telling you, If you start thinking that way, that's where victory resides. We know who won. I'm sticking close to him. I'm walking with him. I'm abiding with him. I'm staying full of his spirit. I'm putting the armor of Jesus on. That's where victory comes from because he's won. He's our champion. Satan is a defeated foe. You might want to write that down if you're taking a note. He is a toothless tiger. Can you imagine a tiger that's had his claws and his teeth removed? Um, suddenly, it's just a big old putty cat, right? It, it, he's a stingerless bumblebee. Somebody went and ripped the stinger out of the bumblebee, and now all he can do is buzz, but he doesn't have the ability to sting anymore. That's the picture of Satan. When we walk when we abide, when we stay full of His Spirit, we can resist the devil. Anybody know what happens after that? And he will flee. James chapter 4, verse 7. That's a promise. Resist the devil, do it God's way, biblically, and he will flee. James 4, verse 7. Okay. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 10 is where we're going to begin. And we're going to read through verse 20. And this will be the first of several times we're going to be reading this. We're going to read it each and every Sunday. For those of you who like a challenge, here's the challenge. I dare you to memorize Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. What a great thing to have on our hard drives. uh, How to put the armor on. Let's stand together. Let's read Ephesians 6. We'll start with verse 10. We'll read on down through verse 20. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fiercely as I should. Let's pray. Lord, those are sobering words um, because we realize uh, that we're not just called to fun and frolicking, we're called to be one of your soldiers. We're at war. And Lord, I pray that each of us today will understand we do have a declared enemy, and he hates us, and he's looking to destroy us. Lord, I suspect that there are some here this morning who've been under severe attack this past week. Lord, some are overwhelmed with pain and confusion. The fiery darts have been falling around them. And Lord, I pray, especially for those who are wounded this morning, I pray for healing. And I pray, Lord, that we'll begin to understand that we have a real, personal, crafty, deceitful enemy. May you drive that point home strong through your word and through your spirit. Lord, help us dig in. Lord, I'm praying that we'll begin to understand the powerful position we have because of your son, Jesus Christ. When we walk in and through him, when we stand firmly and abide and stay connected and full of your son, Lord, may we begin to understand the authority that's ours. We just want to pause now for a moment because it's been a long week and I suspect some of us are here and uh, we come with uh, the filth of the world still upon us. Lord, uh, we've said things with our mouths that shouldn't have been said. We've looked at things that we shouldn't have been looking at. We've had attitudes and motives run through our brain that were wrong and sinful Lord our our hands and our feet have participated in things that you call sin so we want to give you a moment right now to point those things out Lord we really truly want to hear from you we don't want any walls or barriers between us and your son so Lord if there's anything would you make it clear right now anything that's making our lives filthy and dirty anything that's preventing us from hearing clearly from you would you point that out right now And Lord, you call it sin and we're going to call it the same thing. So as you make any of those issues clear to us, Lord, we're not just going to lay there in the mud and the mire any longer. Lord, we're going to do the U-turn and we're going to run to the cross right now. And we're grateful, Lord, The moment we said yes to your son Jesus and believed by faith and received him as Savior and Lord, we're grateful, Lord, that you marked our accounts paid in full. Paid in full by Jesus Christ, the shed blood of the Lamb. So we want to draw on that account right now, Lord, and we write the check of confession. And Lord, uh, we're going to call what you call sin the same. What you're making clear, that's sin, Lord. And we're asking now that you might wash and cleanse and purify us. Tear down the walls, tear down the barriers that sin creates between us and you. Lord, we're ready to do business. We want to be in right relationship with you. all the church gathered at Walloon said with authority. You may be seated. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Be strong in the Lord Jesus and in His mighty power. I don't know if you know this. It's been a while since we've been in Ephesians. But the book of Ephesians is all about power. The Jesus power that all followers of Jesus Christ inherit when we say yes by faith to what he did for us on the cross, to his empty tomb. When we say yes, I believe Jesus I receive, we inherit power. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to go back to chapter 1 and verse 19. I want to show you. He's been talking about power all along. Chapter 1, verse 19 and his and Jesus' incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul's prayer here, church at Ephesus, church at Walloon, this applies to us, and here's what he said. I, I want you to know that there's this incredibly incomparable great power. This is so powerful, nothing compares to it. And it lives right here. Go ahead, point to where that power lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, where does that power live? Right where? Right here. That, that power lives right here. Verse 20, you want an illustration? It's the very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And where does that power live today? Where? Right here. You're kidding. <laughs> I, I don't feel powerful. I, I feel weak. I feel puny. Well, in yourself, that's true. But in Jesus, we are powerful. Um, turn over to chapter 3 in verse 16. We looked at this prayer last week. And here's what Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, the riches of God the Father, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Let that little soak in a little bit, okay? I pray that you'll be able to understand the glorious riches, the power that's in us, through the Spirit that indwells us. It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. And again, our challenge is to believe it and then act on it and live it out daily. Make sense? I don't feel... Well, it doesn't matter. The truth is you are powerful in Christ. And we even have to pray this for ourselves and for those around us. Chapter 5 and verse 18. Keep going. He's still talking about power. And this is a key verse in Ephesians. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which leads to nasty stuff. But instead, be filled with the what? Be filled with the third person of the Trinity. Be filled with Jesus in spirit form. Um, and, and that's, that's the, the command here, be filled. And it's, it's a daily, ongoing, and keep on being filled. That's the verb here. So get filled, and then keep on staying filled, controlled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's where it starts getting exciting. Slide down to verse 21. And uh, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit then we're able to start submitting to one another. I can start saying, uh, Peter, you before me. And Peter says, no, no, you before me. And and we're putting the other person ahead of the other person. So suddenly now we're we're saying, you first, you before me. And then, verses 22 to 24, chapter 5, wives can then begin to assume their roles, which brings power to the family. And then, verses 25 to 33, husbands can then begin loving their wives sacrificially, unselfishly. How can they do that? In their own power, in their own strength? Read a really good book? Okay, this is how you... No, no, you get filled with the third person of the Trinity. You get filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's how you're able to love your wife as she needs and deserves And then when the power of Christ is turned on in our lives, um, go to chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Suddenly now children see that in their parents and they're willing to obey and honor their parents. And verse 4, And fathers, then you have the power to train and nurture your children in the admonition of the Lord. What What does that mean? You have the power to start showing them how to live for Jesus. Oh, and, and you also have the power, verse 4, to not frustrate them and anger them and exasperate them. and verses 5 to 9, and when our spiritual tanks are full of the power of Jesus through his spirit, employees can work wholeheartedly. Well, what about that jerk boss of mine? He's not your real boss. Who's the real boss? What's his name? I'm really working for Jesus. And then bosses, verse 9, have the power to live Jesus toward their employees and treat them as the way they deserve, okay? It's God's plan, it's God's will, it's God's desire that the power of Jesus daily resides in us. Do you understand that? The Holy Spirit power of Jesus Christ ruling through us, through our individual lives, Through our families, through our marriages, through our children, through our church, through our relationships at work, through our relationships at school. Can you see? This is awesome stuff. When we do it God's way, the power flows. So, let's be blunt now. Then why don't we see that kind of stuff very often? Why why is it it doesn't work that way in most Christians' lives? Why as a whole are many, if not most, Christians living defeated, sad, puny little lives? What's the problem? Why are we living that way? Are you ready? Go to verse 11, chapter 6. Here we go. Uh, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's what? His lies, his deceptions. The bump in the Christian road is uh, that we have a fly, the Lord of the Fly, in our ointment. Do you understand? And his name is Satan the Devil. He's scheming, cunning, lying, deceitful, and he's powerful too. He's such a good deceiver, he's such a good liar. Give me your eyes that most people in the Western world, most even in churches, we don't believe that there really is a literal, personal Satan or devil. Statistically, uh, Barna has said that most people who go to churches, even like ours, say, I don't really think there is. Do you know why? We picture the, the guy in the jumpsuit with, with red pitchfork and, and the horn sticking out his head, and, and that's what we think of, and we say, eh, there really isn't anything like that. That's true. That's a lie. That's a deception. But I want you to know, the Bible is so full of references to the devil that you cannot hold to the Christian faith without also accepting the reality of Satan. If you believe in the Bible, then you also need to say, oh, I also believe in Satan. Because every New Testament writer talks about the reality of an enemy. Did you know that? Every one. And of the 29 passages in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that talk about Satan, 25 of them, guess who's talking about Satan? Jesus Christ. So 25 of the 29 references in the Gospels To Satan, the devil, that's coming from the lips of Jesus Christ. So uh, here's what I'm saying. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you believe him and you follow him, 25 times he's talking about the literal existence of Satan. Now, probably Satan's greatest deception is to make sin appear attractive. Because think about it, Myron. If a particular sin didn't look fun and attractive and appealing, we would never be tempted, would we? Those things that turn you—that's not not a temptation for you. But He knows exactly which sins for you are tempting, and He camouflages them. And if you just put a hook in the water and you put it down there in Walloon Lake, are you going to catch any fish? What's the answer? No, but if you get a nice big nightcrawler and you conceal the hook, that's how you catch a fish. Okay? So camouflage, and we think, oh, this looks great, this looks wonderful, and then we bite, and now what? We're hooked. And suddenly now, there's consequences flowing our way. Or, here's the other major way that Satan works. He takes a strained relationship with another person and then he exploits it. And then he throws on gasoline, and pretty soon now you have this raging fire, and there's anger, and there's bitterness, and there's all sorts of ugliness going on. Chapter 4, verse 27, Ephesians, calls that a foothold. And if Satan gets a foothold in your life, guess what that turns into over time? What? Footholds become strongholds. And suddenly now, he settles in And he's got a really good place to work from. Um, Here's a question. Could it be that today you're here in church, but you've already bitten on the hook? Or maybe you're considering looking at that wonderful night crawler, and boy, does that look juicy. And boy, does that, that sin look so tempting, and it looks so wonderful. Maybe you're already thinking, well, I'm going to excuse it this way. Well, everybody else is doing it. Society says it's legal, so why can't I do it? You're already thinking in your head, this is how I'm going to explain it, and I'll get forgiveness from Jesus later. Sin always costs more than you thought. It always drags you further away from Jesus Christ than you planned, and its damage is always far greater than you imagined. You understand? It, it, it's, it's way more expensive than it's worth. It's like buying a hamburger for $50. Uh, I, I've never seen a hamburger that's worth 50 bucks. Anybody? N- not me. No, I'm not paying it. Sin always is way too expensive. It costs way more than it's worth. Go back to the text, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, But it's against the rulers, it's against the authorities, it's against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle in this life is not with other people. We think it is. Our ultimate wrestling match struggle is not with flesh and blood people. Now I know teens, can I see your hands? Teens today? Anybody here? Teens? Teens? I'm sure many of you are convinced that your trouble in life is the authorities that are over you. It's, it's my parents, it's my teachers, it's my principal, it's this, this it's, it's the policeman. It's always that person. Or many of you are certain that your problem on the job is that jerk boss of yours, amen? Uh, he's working, or you got this guy working next to you and he's making you crazy. I know some of you are struggling in your marriage And a lot of times when there's struggle in your marriage, what do you always think? What's the problem? It's her. No, no, it's him. And and you talk to them and they're both convinced it's them. Or maybe you're convinced it's the president. Or it's Congress or the governors or big oil is ruining me. Verse 12, look at it, would you? You need to get this in your head. Our real struggle in life is against Satan and his demonic army. We're at war with Satan ultimately and his demonic army against us. Here's how the Bible describes Satan. Ephesians 2.2 He's the prince of the power of the air. 2 Corinthians 4.4 He's the god of this age. John 12.31 John 14.30 Here's what Jesus called Satan. He's the ruler of this world. We'll talk about that later. He's the tempter, the deceiver, the accuser of Christians, the dragon, the murderer, the father of lies, the evil one. Oh, yeah, verse 12, look at it again. And he's also got this host of allies, an evil team that's organized and focused on. What did we say he's focused on? He wants to destroy you, Tony. He wants to ruin your reputation. He wants to mess up your family big time. And he really wants to divide the church of Jesus Christ. And sadly, I'm telling you, Satan and his organized team are really good at what they're doing. So, what should weak and puny you and I do in face of all this intimidating, powerful, organized enemy? What can we do? Verse 13, here we go. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, what's the goal? To what? To stand. Our protection against Satan and his demonic army is the full armor of God. The full armor of God. And plan B, if you don't have the full armor of God, on what's plan B? There is no plan B, okay? There is none. It's either put on the full armor of God or we lose. (laughs) We get destroyed. We get chewed on. We get eaten alive, okay? Uh, Satan and his army, they are stronger, smarter, quicker, more clever, more devious than any of us, all of us put together. Do you understand? But here's what you need to know. In and through Jesus Christ and His power, His armor, we're on the winning team. Uh, turn to Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, if you have your Bible. I, I want to show you, well, well, how powerful and how victorious are we? Um, I'm glad you asked, verse 13. here's what it says. When you, put your name in there, when Jeff was dead in his sins and in the uncircumcision of his flesh, God made us alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. So when you said yes, he made you alive. You're dead, but you've been made alive. Verse 14, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he's taken it away. And what did he do? All of the charges against us he nailed to the cross. I like that. Verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, uh, what did he do? He ripped out the, the lion, the tiger's teeth, declawed him, Ripped out the bumblebee stinger, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the what? It's the cross. It's the power of the cross. That's what gives us victory. He built the bridge to eternity, to eternal life on the cross. And our greatest problem in life is sin. Verse 13, but he's forgiven us all of our sins. He disarmed, he defanged Satan, and now he is the ruling and reigning champion. Verse 13, when we walk with Jesus, I'm we'll say this a lot this summer, when we stay connected to Jesus, when we stay full of the Holy Spirit, when I get clean, remember, and then I do the U-turn, and I confess, and then I get my armor on, the power of Jesus Christ flows through through us. The incomparably great power is active and alive and suddenly now I can stand even against a very powerful, crafty enemy. But it's not me standing alone. It's standing with the armor of Jesus Christ. Our protection, our security, our armor, it's all about Jesus, his power Alive in and through us. How many of you like to watch uh, Animal Planet, uh, Discovery Channel? Uh, We just have this one, the National Geographic Channel. Any of you like to watch those shows about animals? I watched one, and uh, it was surprising, because the first thing they asked was what animal kills more people every year in Africa than any other. And And I'm thinking mm, lion, uh, crocodile, uh, leopard, um, panther, uh, something like that. Do you know what the answer is? Hippos, hippopotamuses. Really? You gotta be kidding me. Those are kind of pink and cuddly things, you know? Um, Not so much. By the end of the show, I'm thinking, if I'm ever out on a safari, I see a hippo, I'm staying far away. Um, they illustrated it this way. There's this little, small pool of mud and just a little bit of water, okay? It's really a, a little mud hole from, from about me to you, Craig. Hold your hand up, Craig. So that, that's, this is how big the pond is, okay? Um, and now... The mama hippo takes baby hippo into this pond and there's at least a dozen huge crocodiles in this little pond. And you're thinking, baby hippo, bye, you, you are a meal. You are about to die. And here's what's interesting. Um, those dozen crocs never came close to baby. You know why? Because baby was smart enough to stay near mama and the crocodiles didn't want to mess with mama. That mama hippo is mean. And even crocodiles are scared of the mama hippo. Okay? So here's the lesson for us. As long as you and I stay close and connected to mama hippo, and who's our mama hippo? Jesus Christ. As long as we stick the crocs and the lines of Satan, ain't going to mess with us. Because we're big and strong and scary. No, it's because of mama. It's because of Jesus Christ. They won't mess with us when we're connected and abiding and full of Jesus and have his armor on. Um, Next uh, couple months, we're going to examine each piece of the armor and talk about how that relates to our position in Christ and who we are. And hopefully, you'll be able to understand clearly what it's about and how to put that piece of the armor on. I'll just give you a little secret. Are you ready? When you put the armor on, it's really putting Jesus on. It's really putting who you are and your position and the facts. It's putting on his truth and his righteousness and his peace and holding tight to our faith in him and guarding our heads with his salvation and picking up the word of Jesus Christ and being ready to do battle and then praying like crazy to our commander-in-chief, okay? So that's just a little preview. Here's how I want to close. Life as a follower of Jesus was not intended to be a picnic. We are not out on the playground on recess. Isn't that the way many of us think of life? This is fun. Get your blanket. Let's uh, let's let's have our, our picnic, and we open up the. And, and then suddenly, now we're getting attacked, and now we're mad. I don't get it. I don't like it. What's going on? Life was never intended as a follower of Christ to be fun and skippy and a walk through the park. But somehow, I think this, the enemy's got us believing that. And then, when it's not that way, we're mad. We're upset, we're confused, we're hurting. We got creamed and we had no idea we were even at war. Please understand, follower of Christ, you're a soldier, whether you want to be or not. And uh, Pastor Tim, I hope you're listening, but we better be singing Onward Christian Soldiers some this summer, don't you think? Because really, that's what we are. We are Christian soldiers marching to war. Well, that's far too militant, Pastor Jeff. We, uh, no, no, it's biblical is what it is. Um, and, and I'm just telling you, we're called to war. And there's no plan B. So uh, here's what you need to know. We have the awesome, amazing power of Jesus Christ. And where's that living? Where's Jesus live and abide today? Right here. And I'm just telling you, there's no excuse once you know how to get your armor on. Can I just challenge you? Okay, Do your best to be here. Learn how to get the armor on. Learn how to stand firm. Learn how to tap into the power of Jesus Christ. Because this is war, but we've got the commander in chief, and I'm just telling you, we're not fighting for victory. Where are we fighting? From victory. We don't have to earn it or merit it. We've already been given the victory in and through Jesus. We're fighting from victory. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for giving us a manual, an owner's manual, that makes it clear what's going on in this world today. And Lord, uh, clearly we've not been called to a picnic or a playground We've been called to do battle. We've been called to uh, stand firm against a very clever enemy. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. May he be lifted up and honored and glorified. We praise you that he defeated Satan and his gang on the cross. And, uh, Lord, we thank you that the power of Jesus is alive and at work and available to each and every one of your children. May we use that power daily. And I pray that we would start using it now. I wonder as we close, is there anybody as we begin this series who'd say, you know, I I don't think I realized how dangerous this world really is. I didn't realize how organized and deceptive and and scheming, Satan and his demonic army really are. Uh, but today, Lord, you've woken me up through your word and through your spirit. It's become clear that I need to get serious and focused. And I need to learn how to get my armor on and keep it on. Anybody, just as we begin the series, just lift up your hand and say, that's me. That's, that's where I'm at. Lord, see my hand. And, and I'm praying that in the weeks ahead, I'm going to learn what I need to learn to stand firm in you anybody else Lord see my hand that's what I need to do whatever it takes and finally it could be that you're here and you never realize that your greatest problem in life is with sin you've had other explanations other reasons why but uh, you've never realized that the only solution for sin is what Jesus did for you on the cross at Calvary Until you say yes to Jesus, until you believe by faith and receive him as Savior and Lord, uh, you just need to know there is no power of Jesus. You are really, truly a pawn of Satan. And it's time now, maybe for the first time, to say yes, Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I I want you to be my Savior, my King, my boss. Anybody say today as we close? I've not done that before, but today is the day of salvation for me, Pastor Jeff. Would you pray for me? Anybody? Love to pray with you, pray for you, right where you're seated. Thank you, Lord, for Ephesians 6, and Lord, I pray that you might burn it into our hard drives in uh, the weeks ahead. Do incredible things, we pray this all, In Jesus' name, may he be lifted high in his church today. Amen. If the darts have been flying fast and furious, if maybe you're wounded and hurting today, we have a team over uh, in the prayer chapel. They would love to meet with you and pray for you and lift you up before the king. Um, Before you are uh, dismissed, would you... uh, turn and introduce yourself to a fellow soldier, Uh, and you can say, Hi, I'm Soldier Jeff. What's your name? And I'm Soldier so-and-so. And when you do that, you are dismissed.